and welcome to this week's Leader's Guide for the Fall Quarter of Life Groups. This resource is provided to help you prepare and effectively lead your group. For your convenience, you can also download a written version of the guide under Life Group Leader Tools at gatewaycrc.org forward slash life groups. Remember to tune in each week and to look out for the weekly edition of Life Group Leaders Weekly. Let's join Adam Van Dopp now as he introduces this week's material. Well, hello there, Life Group leaders. This is week number six of the fall 2022 semester of Life Groups here at Gateway Church. And we're continuing on this week in our journey through the book of Daniel. What an incredible journey it has been up until now. If you need to get caught up on uh, the messages that we've been going through over these last number of weeks, you can find them at gatewaycrc.org slash livestream or search for Gateway Community Church in both Apple and Spotify podcasts. You know, either of those apps, you'll find them. Well, for now, let's jump into the sermon guide and the discussion guide for this coming week. Well, this week, I'm going to encourage you, uh, as you prepare for your sixth meeting, I'm just going to remind you, you've got this. Uh, we're over our halfway mark, and we only have four more meetings, and what a what a great journey we've embarked on so far. The conversations, uh, from what I hear from you as leaders, have all been great. I can only imagine, uh, for the rest of you who I haven't heard from, that they are uh, full and that they're rich, uh, as we've been learning how to thrive here in Babylon, as we know it uh, at this time and this place. We'll continue to pray for your members, uh, name by name, as you prepare this week. Uh, your members are living in this very divided world that you and I are interacting with as well, facing all the same uncertainties and all the same conundrums and dividedness uh, that uh, we do on a daily basis. Uh, pray also that the Lord would soften your own heart as you lead his people toward himself. Well, last week, uh, the Flores Herman group won the contest, the picture contest, by submitting a number of pictures, uh, and they enjoyed special treats this past week at their meeting provided by the Visa gift card that was their prize. Well, this week, we've got a bit of a new incentive contest where I'm um, looking for the most creative group selfie. Uh, from last week until November 5th, coming up uh, this coming Saturday, no, sorry, next week Saturday, uh, submit to me all, all that you can pull off as a group for the most creative selfie. This is where you as a photographer are in the picture holding the, the, the phone or device and taking a picture of you and your group behind you. Uh, it's a pic of you serving the community, a social, uh, being silly at a study with all goofy hats or something, uh, and the prize is going to be the same. And uh, we're going to we'll, we'll do a bit of a draw or we'll ask around the office here and see what uh, we can do for the winner. Uh, and also, I want to ask you one more time that I would love to hear from you. Answer this question uh, this fall 2022 season. What has been your favorite moments as you have been leading your groups this far? Well, again, a reminder of attendance, uh, super helpful. Uh, if you have people that are not interacting with your group as a whole, uh, do reach out and uh, just reach out name by name, individual by individual, contact them directly and ask them about how their lives are going. And at the end of this document that is provided for you on the website, uh, there's a bit of a, an article there about active listening, which can be helpful for you as you lead your coming group. Well, let's jump into the discussion guide at this point. Uh, getting to know your questions. Well, we are in week number six, and if you feel like your group is uh, going well and that uh, you're related, relating really well together, I invite you just just pick one of these questions. Uh, you don't need to do both, but you know, you're the leader. You get to choose your own adventure here. But uh, we want to get you to the meat and potatoes of, of the group, of the material that we're going to be talking about, knowing that your relationships are, are getting solidified and they're continu continually get solidified. So maybe just pick one this week. 
Uh, number the first question here is, if you could have an animal sidekick, what would it be and why? Well, this is a great question just to work around your room with, uh, have everyone offer their own insight. Uh, and I was thinking, if I could pick any animal at this point, for some reason, I can't get a Tyrannosaurus Rex out of my mind. Uh, I feel like he could just, well, eat anybody I ask. And I think that'd just be super helpful at times. Uh, number two here is, uh, what would be your most favorite recent book or article and what did you learn from it? And so this question is going to take a little bit more thought and uh, you won't be able to go necessarily around the room. So you'll have to kind of go popcorn style on it. But if needed, expand the question to ask from anything that you've interacted with, whether it's the news, social media, conversations with friends or colleagues, what is it that you've been learning? Uh, just in general, it could be anything really. Uh, and if I, if I was, could talk to you right now, I'd be saying, hey, I did some research on cycling socks. Yes, you heard me right. I said cycling socks. There's a, a specific kind of a sock that cyclists wear. And I was researching if there's actually any benefit to these particular socks. So I learned that there is. I could tell you more, but we, we could talk about that later. Uh, so then we launch into the quick review section where we talk about uh, this week's, uh, this, sorry, this past week's message. Uh, and again, we're not reviewing the message, we're reviewing what we've learned from the message. So the first question there is looking back at your notes from this week's teaching, was there anything that particularly caught your attention, challenged or confused you? Second question is this weekend, Pastor Justin talked about the three placebos that we often turn to when we feel like we are losing control of the three, which are the, the one that you are most drawn to in particular seasons. If you're willing to share, why do you think that is? So I put in there just a reminder as to what those three placebos are. Uh, number one, we cling to what we can control. Number two, we party like it's 1999. And three, we get religious. And I'm honestly looking forward to Pastor Justin talk about what it looks like to party like it's 1999 because I, I think he was only 10 at that point. Anyways, let's carry on into scripture review. Uh, so we're going to read Daniel chapter 5 and in the leader's notes there, there's a bit of a condensed version that you could read with your group. But again, ask yourselves about the character of God, the humanity that we live with and uh, and the exposed sin in our lives. And this, this I think, passage is going to do a lot with this. But also ask what strikes you all together about this passage. Getting into the digging deeper section, number one, read Daniel 5 verses 2 through 5. Belshazzar and his party mates drink from the golden vessels of the temple of God. In doing so, he elevates himself above God and purposefully blasphemes Yahweh. How do our actions today do the same? Well, this party is a major affront to Yahweh, to uh, Yahweh's people and to Belshazzar's enemies. It's been prophesied by Isaiah in chapter, Isaiah chapter 21 that Babylon would in fact fall. And so, so what's fascinating here is that commentators all agree that in Babylon and how it was captured, Belshazzar hosted this party to celebrate how safe and how secure he felt in their robust fortress. It is said that they had enough food there to last a year, impenetrable walls and resolve to last. And while doing so, Belshazzar seeks to elevate himself above the God of the Israelites by using the symbols of God's very presence, these golden vessels. All of his guests partake of this elevation and this defiling alongside Belshazzar. And so you and I, we, we now live in the 21st century where we are surrounded by comfort, we're surrounded by convenience. We have everything we can possibly think of, and not just even at our fingertips, but within our wallets, we have a credit card that can get whatever it is that we want. And if we don't have it, we can get it. If we wish for it, we can find it. It's, it's our endless pursuit of happiness and personal freedoms that we, we kind of live out on our own. And, and so easily in all of these pursuits, we so easily squeeze God out of our pictures. Uh, whether it's a feeling that we don't need them or we just simply forget, it's part of our nature. And so essentially, we're, we're guilty of the same actions that Belshazzar is, is, is having here. 
essentially that the enemy is at our gates, but we're too comfortable to care. So this is where I encourage you to read uh, Roman, uh, sorry, read Jonah chapter two, verses seven through nine, where Jonah prays to God from within the belly of the whale, and he recognizes the price of idolatry that the Ninevites will face. Well, what is that price? How will that look in our lives today? So this is such a fascinating portion of scripture, this book of Jonah. Uh, Our church has gone through a series in it a number of years ago, which was fascinating in and of itself. But Jonah here is called to preach at Nineveh, essentially the equivalent of Babylon in in Daniel's narrative. And Jonah wants nothing to do with going there or anything to do with being there. And so he runs completely the opposite direction. He gets on a boat to sail away, uh, but then is tossed overboard in a crazy story and swallowed by a great fish. Yep, he was swallowed by a great fish. Hold that thought. Uh, Then there, amongst the fish's lunch and dinner, Jonah prays in the belly of this great fish. In Jonah uh, chapter 2, verse 1, he says, I called out to the Lord out of my distress. And I kind of, as I read this earlier today, I kind of chuckled to myself as as I see distress. This is what he calls this moment. He's in the belly of the whale and he says, I'm distressed. I'm sure there's other words he could have used, but that's the word he chose. It's not comfortable by any stretch of the means. And so while there, he comes to his senses somehow in the belly of that fish, he comes to his senses and he sees the reckless nature of the Ninevites. He sees their idolatry and he sees that they have a big price to pay for it. And he recognizes that he begins to feel bad for them. He begins to grow in awareness that the Lord is calling him to do something about it. He grows in his heart to minister to them. So as he comes to his senses, the, the Lord, I guess he commands this fish to puke this man out on the beach. And this man comes to his senses, maybe jumps back in the water, washes off for a bit. Uh, but he makes his way then for Nineveh. He arrives there in that country and he preaches. And at Jonah uh, 3 verse 5, it records, and the people of Nineveh believed in God. Uh, and the price comes up in 2 verse 8 where it says, Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. The Ninevites there, they, for, were, they were in a regular pattern of, of forsaking any kind of hope that they could have. And, that's, and that, I think, is a, an utterly scary thought. But it's what we're reading about in Daniel as Belshazzar hosts this, this crazy party. They were, they were doing the same thing at the same moment. They were forsaken the, any hope that they had. And we'll come to it a little bit later, but we're going to realize soon that Belshazzar likely would have been a shadow of Nebuchadnezzar. He would have likely seen and heard and interacted with all of the same things that Nebuchadnezzar did with Daniel. Belshazzar has heard everything. He's interacted with everything. And yet in this moment, he chose to have hope in himself rather than in the God of his forefather, Nebuchadnezzar. So consider asking this additional question. What would life look like without hope in the Lord? And interact with that one as uh, you discuss these things with your group, which leads us to question number two. Read Daniel 5, verses 16 through 17 and Acts 8, verses 14 through 24. So Belshazzar and Simon are missing the same key element in their lives. From these two negative examples, what is the right heart before the Lord? And so these two, two stories in Daniel and now in Acts, uh, they don't line up completely the same. And this is okay because Belshazzar's goal is to find the interpretation of the dream and to find out his own fate. While Simon the magician in Acts is seeking to buy the presence of the Holy Spirit as he's unaware of really how to receive him. Where their stories do find the common uh, whole is, is that their desires are to seek life in themselves or within their own wealth. And they're missing the emphasis that they need to find themselves first responsible to God. 
Belshazzar places himself above God and Simon tries to purchase him like he would a statue or figurine. Well, this question has a direct link to the next bullet point question, which will highlight for your group what the heart really is. And if they haven't discovered it quite yet, we will soon. So bullet point question, read Matthew 6 verses 31 to 34. What is the posture of a disciple that Jesus teaches? Is that an easy or difficult posture for you to take in this life? Why do you think that is? And so in this passage in Matthew 6 here, Jesus is teaching about our reliance, that we need to be uh, first and foremost upon relying upon God's provision in our lives. Something that Belshazzar mocked and something that Simon simply did not understand and thought that he could purchase. The basic answer to this question is perhaps a little overly simplistic in that right here in Matthew 6.33, it says, seek first the kingdom of God. That's the answer. It's, it's not quite uh, seek second or seek third, nor is it uh, seek when you feel like it or seek as you need to. It's seek first the kingdom of God. And so the posture of the Christian disciple of Jesus leans on him first and not on one's own strength, nor their abilities, nor wealth. That's the simple answer. The more difficult part of this question is now to answer the evaluation of how this looks in our lives and how difficult it is actually to live in this particular way. And one thing we need to recognize is that Daniel, as we've been traveling through these first five books of this particular book, is that he's figured out this practice and he was unwavering within it. He did not eat the meat. He did not bow down to the idol. He respected the king who sought his death. And the posture of leaning into God is is not one in our 21st century and how our culture now celebrates nor embraces. You see, modernity continually says, be your own person. Do what works for yourself. Express yourself however you wish. Do that as long as it feels right. It points to everywhere except for God. So this passage that we've just read in Matthew 6 says we need to lean towards God against the grain of our culture. Think about it in this analogy, in this way. You might say it's similar to a salmon swimming upstream. This is the context of a lot of our salmon now swimming upstream to go to their spawning beds. Everything is going against the salmon to get to the place where they need to spawn. First, there's the flow of the river or the creek that they're in. Then there's the rocks, the waterfalls, the bears and other hungry animals. That's not even thinking of yet the humans fishing for them. And there's lots of them out there right now. The obstacles are so great and one quickly doubts that they can ever get to where they need to go. However, Salmon are innately attuned to where they need to go. It's part of their design. It's part of their instinct. And they're going to get there. They're going to fight the current. They're going to avoid the bears. They're going to swim hard to jump the obstacles. And it's a difficult posture to take. It's a lot of work for the salmon to get to where it needs to go. But you, you know what? As we're thinking about this, we now acknowledge that Christians, we're designed with the same resiliency and same tenacity in mind. We have the same innate ability to run after God, to lean into him. But yet there's so many of these barriers and obstacles that are just compounding and thrashing at us to get our attention. That's what Peter writes to his audience as he says, there's a prowling lion out to get you. Well, in this picture of this salmon analogy, there's a prowling bear that's hungry for lunch. There's a fisherman that's trying to get his next big catch. Well, do we embrace these qualities of tenacity and resiliency as we pursue our faith? Do we attribute those same qualities to our faith journeys? Well, I think we do that perhaps less than we should. So question number three, read Daniel 5 or 17 and 24 through 28. And so in chapters 1 and 1 to 4, Daniel was patient and graceful with Nebuchadnezzar. Here in chapter 5, Daniel is very pointed with Belshazzar. Why does Daniel respond differently to these two kings? 
So spend a moment here recalling how Daniel was respectful and patient with Nebuchadnezzar. There's a, there's a moment in each chapter where we can see those actions amongst himself or his friends. In chapter 1, Daniel asked politely to be tested to only eat vegetables. In chapter 2, Daniel, full of grace, asked for time to discover and interpret the dream. In chapter 3, Daniel's friends, while yes, they stand their ground not worshipping the statue, they still speak respectfully to their king and submit to his leadership. In Daniel chapter 4, Daniel wishes that the dream would be true for Nebuchadnezzar's enemies and not for himself. Now in chapter 5, Daniel's tone changes. Daniel is very pointed with Belshazzar, and some may argue that uh, about the timing that Belshazzar had only an evening at this point to be challenged, while Nebuchadnezzar had an entire lifetime. Remember that these two kings, well, they're family members, and all that is to suggest that Belshazzar had just as much time as Nebuchadnezzar. So really, uh, Daniel is sharing this final, this final lesson as he's seen that Belshazzar has had a front row seat with Nebuchadnezzar through all of these years, say, facing all of these interactions and getting to know the same stories and being challenged in the same way. Well, this final lesson now sees that there's, there's no continuing remorse. There's nothing on Belshazzar's part that says he's sorry, that he's regretful or of any of the things or any desire to change. Unlike Nebuchadnezzar, who recognizes his guilt and recognizes his ill uh, ways. So he knows that this is going to end. Daniel knows how this is going to end. And Belshazzar knows at this point and all the potential on how the course that he has to change his heart. But he doesn't. And he faces the wrath of God as opposed to a welcome. Bullet point question. Read Romans 2 verses 3 through 5. There's a great price for the unrepentant heart. However, we hear it on Sunday morning that Jesus drank that cup for us. And if he didn't, our fate would be no different than Belshazzar's. How does that strike you? Well, we need to always be reminded of the Lord's grace. And this text in Romans here does that in a bit of a different way. Paul paints the picture that Belshazzar experienced firsthand that as his enemies came and took his life. And that's a fascinating image to think about as throughout this chapter that we cannot miss. Belshazzar and his friends drank God's wrath upon themselves with the very golden vessels from the temple that represents God's presence. Jesus then drank from the same cup of God's wrath on our behalves. So we don't have to face the certain separation and complete death. Remember the words of the Apostles' Creed, and we're going to read the whole thing here. Let's say, I believe in God the Father Almighty, the Creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He was suffered under Pontius Pilate. He was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. Then on the third day he rose again from the dead and he ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, and the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. And God's people say with me, Amen. In the middle of that creed there it says Jesus suffered, Jesus died, and Jesus was buried. Jesus descended to hell. He took the journey that we're supposed to. He experienced the separation from the Father that we should be experiencing. And because he did, we don't have to. What a beautiful picture this is. How grateful we must be as we come together as a body of believers in life groups and in our, our uh, youth groups and even at a church on Sunday mornings and as we go for coffee with friends. How grateful we have to be of God's gift to us in the new life that he's given us. 
we'll close up this time frame by going to the taken at home question read proverbs 3 verses 5 through 6. belshazzar not only didn't care that god saved his father but he purposefully sought to show that he was bigger and that he was better than yahweh we can be a forgetful people and we misplace our priorities how does this chapter then challenges us how do we daily remember god's provision well, as we've talked about already, we, we're quick to forget how the Lord has been a complete blessing to us and how we, we start seeing that all we have as a result of our own effort and how sinful of an idea that can be. You see, we often place ourselves above God and we do so with many other things uh, as we interact with those things rather than God. Or we even fail to realize in some of those other things that we do that God wants us to acknowledge that he's the provision behind that very moment. That he's behind the very thing, the very activity that we're doing that he deserves to be worshipped for. We'll talk amongst your group how we can grow more aware of God's provision, but also how we can acknowledge God's activity in our lives more than what we do so now. Well, at this point, I think we've talked enough about all of these things. Closing meeting, uh, closing prayer, be grateful for the things that are good, come together and asking the Lord for God's mercy and the things that we need to be receiving mercy for. Well, uh, leaders, I thank you so much for doing what it is that you're doing, for leading our groups in the way that you are. Uh, again, I would love you to answer that question. What's excited you? What's uh, brought you great joy in this fall 2022 season? Leaders, thank you once again. We will sign off and we'll talk uh, next week. See you.